It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want the heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing all right. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant, located on St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com, or give my man a call, 912 268 23 2-3-2-8. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. And uh, today's uh, today's uh, show is also being brought to you in part by uh, my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy right now while you're watching or listening to this show. Uh, just uh, uh, go to uh, barnesandnoble.com or Amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant uh, about uh, uh, getting this uh, man's story told. Uh, This is uh, uh, a must-read book for you because uh, the truth of the matter is is that uh, Tom Molino uh, should be getting more credit than he he does uh, to this day. Read what I'm talking about. Hey, you want to get a signed copy, just visit the website BillyCBoxing.com. And click on the book. You can't miss it. Uh, or if you're looking to get multiple copies, just uh, drop me an email, Billy at Talking Boxing. That's T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com. Um, today's show, uh, coming up a little bit later, we got uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. And uh, my cough drop just broke in half. And. Uh, we also got uh, this week's blast from the past. Alex Perpali will be uh, stopping by. Um, you know, we do these requests from you guys for the blasts. And uh, this one's a unique one. We're going to be doing a blast from the past on Madison Square Garden. That's right. We're going to be doing uh, Madison Square Garden blast from the past. Uh, we got a bunch of emails to read. Now, I am going to tell you, you know, it seems to happen when uh, we miss a day like yesterday. Uh, we get backed up with uh, with emails. So, if you sent an email and we do not get to it today, I promise you, we'll be getting to it tomorrow. Um, a lot of emails on uh, Deontay Wilder's performance and uh, where it goes next. But today, the main topic I want to talk about, at least uh, to kick off the show, is the fact that Canelo Alvarez tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug uh, on his uh, upcoming uh, for his upcoming rematch with Triple G? Um, 
Well, let me read you the statement, okay? Uh, let me read you the official statement from Golden Boy. Uh, it says, and I quote, as part of the voluntary testing program that Alvarez insisted on ahead of the May 5th rematch, one of the results came back positive for trace levels of uh, clenbuterol, uh, consistent with meat contamination that has impacted dozens of athletes in Mexico over the last years. Now, this is a statement from Golden Boy. Uh, as Daniel Elcher, a director of uh, SMRTL, the, the WADA uh, accredited lab that conducted the test, stated in his letter that these values are within the range of what is expected from meat contamination. Upon receiving this information, Golden Boy immediately notified the Nevada State Athletic Commission and Triple G. As uh, has been planned, Canelo will immediately move his training camp from Mexico to the U.S. and will submit to any number of variety of additional tests that VADA seems necessary ahead of uh, and after uh, the fight date of May 5th. Uh, Canelo uh, said, and I quote, I am an athlete who respects the sport and this surprises me and bothers me. Because it had never happened to me before. I will submit to all the tests that require me to clarify this embarrassing situation. And I trust that at the end, uh, at the end, the truth will prevail. Um, they added that Canelo has been tested uh, dozens of times over the uh, course of his previous fights, specifically the last dozen. And he's never tested uh, 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 dirty before. Um, in, and that's it. That's the statement. My opinion is that doesn't matter. He didn't test clean for this fight. Uh, this is, in my opinion, it's 100% BS. There's got to be some kind of consequences for Canelo. I mean, from the meat. Come on, man. We, we've heard this before. Um, joining me right now from St. Simons, who's getting a heck of a lot better weather than I am right now, uh, is my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. Sal, enlighten me, my man. What's your thoughts on this, I mean, we've heard the old "it's coming from the meat" story before. Um, I, I know you. I know you feel very strongly about about the the performance enhancing uh, drug usage. And uh, what what's popping into your head right now, especially after hearing that <laughs> that that, that tear jerker of a statement from Golden Boy, right? So, uh, talk to me, Goose. <laughs> I was like, the first thing that popped to my mind, maybe, maybe that's a good thing I'm retired. I don't know, but how I'm wired anymore. But Clara Peller, where's the beef? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you, man. You know, this is unbelievable. And hey, you know, this could be a whole new generation. Let's blame the cattle. Let's the cattle are taking Decker Durable and taking steroids. Look you know what? You 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 say that you say that in jest, but the truth of the matter is, is I, that's been and you and I have talked about this off there. That's that's been one of the biggest problems with young people today is they don't they're not held accountable for things. And this is just no. another this is just another example. I mean. I, you know, here you'd go, and, and I love the way they throw in that he insisted upon it. You know, so so does so did Floyd Mayweather, and and yet they let him take IVs before fights uh, to clean his system out. You know, something has. You know, the bottom line, Sal, is something has to be done. If the meat is contaminated and it's causing problems with with these tests, I, I call me nuts, but I would say one. I would say one thing. You know what I would say, Sal? Become no. a vegetarian. I would say don't eat the meat. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> well, sure. what do you think? Yeah. I mean, what do you, you think? Know, 
I, I, I can't believe it. I mean, I mean, to, and I'm sure you know what. Here we are. We're in a, we're in an era where, where, where you know we we give um, steroids or, or growth hormones to to chickens, to cattle, to whatever it is, it, just to get the the meatier or a bigger uh, variety of specimen of, of of an animal that we could butcher and 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 ingest as our consumption of food. And it's, it's it's bizarre. It's gotten so far out of whack. And uh, I don't know, Bill. I think I think he's got to have a supervised eating program. <laughs> you, you know, I, it's so I, bizarre. It really is. I just can't believe it. You know, I, I want to know this. I want to know how much of this stuff do they feed these cattle in order for them after the the meat's been processed, butchered, all whatever they do, to still come up. If this is true, to still come up in a human being's yeah. blood test. I, I mean, to tell you the truth, Sal. We're killing ourselves. We're slowly dying by ingesting the U.S. Uh, FDA food. Uh, well, well remember, this, remember, this is Mexico. This oh, is the, this know, is the Mexican but, beef. <laughs> not to sorry. be, not to be confused. No, but I mean, no, no, it's true. Our, our, what we have going on in our country, too, well, is, you know, there's certain things that, you know, you remember our generations, our, your Italian history, my Italian history, they used to eat the the oil, the olive oil, the corn oil, the fry, the this and that. And everything. Nothing ever happened to them. No, they used to drink a red wine. They lived to be a hundred years old. Uh, now everything you eat is bad for it. Gives you blood pressure. Gives you this. Gives you. Well, that. wait a minute. It's it, it's it's all in the additives. Wait a minute. It's bad for you, but if you wait long enough, all of a sudden it's good for you. <laughs> You know, it comes full circle. It does come full circle. Remember eggs? It's don't eat eggs. Remember, remember, it's like, whoa, don't eat eggs. They're bad for you. And then all of a sudden, ah, well, guess what? Eggs are good for you. And and, and what about coffee? Oh, don't oh, drink coffee, too much no, coffee. Too much, right? too much. And, then, too and then all, all of a sudden, they just had a study. Oh, coffee's good for you. You know, I, I mean, you know. Coffee. Come on, man. But well, the, you know but the, the bottom line is because they do not know. And they jump on a bandwagon that the when the media bites on something, forget about it. Like I always said, Bill, the media doesn't report the news anymore. They create and stimulate it. No, so, you're, uh, you're you're right. Crazy, crazy. Listen, you well, know, I, I don't know what I what I have to say about Canelo Alvarez. All I all I know is, I think uh, he has to have uh, supervised meals. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know, I, listen, I, I don't know enough about it but i do know this no, I don't if a, if a if 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 a hunter now now we you know, there's a high um level of uh, lyme disease in this country right well at least here in yeah. the states in the east coast it, it is spreading to the west coast but Founded the east coast lyme connecticut the, person well that's where that's where the first little vegetable that's where the first cases uh was was found that's why they called it yes. lyme disease but lyme. but 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 the truth of the matter is is it's really i i <laughs> Uh, interesting enough, I, I, I saw this graphic of how uh, quickly it's spreading, uh, basically over the last decade. But anyway, my point here is that a deer, a, a lot of the Lyme uh, uh, disease, the ticks that, that are infected deer with tick, the Lyme yeah. disease, are, are associated with deer. And, and actually, the truth of the matter is they're associated with mice, and, and that's really the worst carrier. But anyway, I'm using deer as an example because... Um, we have a lot of people that hunt, that hunt deer, you know, and, and eat the meat. And I've never heard of anyone, and, and by the way, uh, not that I'm a big uh, game uh, hunter or uh, even an eater of, of, uh, of, of game uh, foods, but I've we never heard. here, man. 
I've never heard, no, I'd much prefer, rather, I'd much rather prefer eating at Sal's uh, where I know that it's, you know, fresh stuff. But, but the truth of the matter is, is that I've never once heard of a hunter, and, and keep it in mind when you cook deer, when you cook venison, you don't cook it for a long time. It's basically, uh, there's no fat in it, so it, it cooks very quickly. And um, I've never heard, now maybe I'm wrong, but I have never heard of a uh, a hunter or any consumer of venison getting Lyme disease from, from a Lyme disease-infected deer and then contracting Lyme disease from eating that meat. So I'm finding it hard Good to theory. accept. I'm, hard, I'm finding it hard to accept that you actually do get it from consuming meat. I thought that that was kind of a story that they told, and now they're retelling it again. You know, uh, what's your thoughts on that theory? No, I, I, I believe the only way you can get Lyme disease if you are uh, bitten or come in direct contact with the carrier, um, such as a tick or so, and a bl- the blood-sucking tick. But I'll tell you what, remind me of an old story. Um, the, uh, the Lyme disease definitely is a little different than a steroid situation because I feel that, uh, you know, the steroid is something that, that – is in the meat in a sense. I don't know if Lyme disease is in the uh, the meat, the blood, or whatever. I know it's in the blood and the joints and all that stuff. Supposedly it settles in there and, and really disrupts your whole... <laughs> Wait a minute. Sal, Sal, right. have another sip of coffee. I'm, it's not about Lyme disease. My point is... is it's I, the I, ingesting an animal right. and having the residual carry through into your own right i mean i don't i've never heard it with getting there all right all right well we only got we we only we only got so much time captain but but listen um i I just i'm finding it hard to accept that they're getting it from the meat from from you know the the uh the the, the meat you know i mean it just seems strange to me well and and look at look at how uh, you've heard that some of our younger teenagers are developing faster from milk and from everything else that that supposedly you you've heard that theory uh of what's been said about as far as you know just just the 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 uh, what could be ingested by us through milk products and meat products and animal products and and uh you know, I don't know. There, it's a theory. I don't know how the reality of it is really uh, coming to be. But um, I could see, I could see, if we have cattle that's pumped with steroids to make them twice as big, twice as meaty, whatever it might be, that you will have some of the residual uh, of that in from the cattle meat to be ingested. I don't know if it's something that you could cook away, cook off, or do anything else. Uh, such as maybe the the Lyme disease germ or bacteria or whatever it might be will will be uh, killed in a in a heat cooking process. I don't know. I well, don't know. Well, all I know is when I look at chicken breasts and I see the size of them, I go, "Oh my God! I don't want to mess with a chicken that's got chicken breasts that big." I mean, geez, I, I've never seen. I mean, how big are these chickens? You know, uh, you know. And and I got news for you. I saw I saw in a store uh, recently this apple sow. That looked like a small watermelon. It was an apple, right? And and it, and I got news for you. It, it was delicious. I, I, I bought a couple. 
um, uh, they could feed a family, you know. Uh, but but I, what the heck kind of a ch- apple tree is that? You know, it, it's we're we're shooting everything. Up. You know, in England they got the mad cow disease because they're feeding the cows meat. You know, and and I, you know, it, it's crazy. Let, so so let's cut to the chase. What do you think should be done about this? Do you think? That um, Triple G should should cancel this fight. Does does uh, Canelo get a pass? I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm saying to myself, this guy's he, he's trying to do anything to win this fight, even if it resorts to cheating. Um, what's your thoughts? I mean, the seriousness of this issue is simple. The guy appears to have tried to get away with doing something that's without the boundaries of that's you know outside the boundaries of the rules. What's your thoughts? Well, my thoughts are this. If he needs to go to something like that, that says a lot about his own psyche. And I would I would tap into that. If he thinks he needs to do something artificially or to enhance his own performance using something that's not natural, not real, not not uh, then that says a lot about his confidence and his ability to say, hey, I'm Canelo Alvarez. I'm made of flesh and blood and I can do whatever I say I can do and I'm going to go in the ring and I'm going to beat Triple G. Well, he needs a little booster, a little pat on the back, a little bit of confidence. And if he's looking for that in a form of uh, enhancement performing drugs or so, whether it's ingested from an animal, from a meal or or self-imposed, that says a lot about his psyche. And I don't really think, I don't really think the trade-offs uh, of that now that it is caught maybe six weeks or eight weeks before a fight uh, should really make that big of a difference uh, you know if, in fact you know if they if they stop it catch it now and he tests in the future clean you know that uh, I, I think uh, I think everything should be all systems go uh, it's good they caught it now and <coughs> Triple G should feel good because if he needs some type of artificial uh confidence uh that uh, that uh triple uh, that canelo alvarez is utilizing well that says a little bit about uh what the effects of the last fight maybe may have left on the mind and the heart and the soul of canelo alvarez if this is all true well all i know is uh you know every time i ate a can of spinach <laughs> trying to get the popeye muscles it never seemed to work so i, I don't know man i don't know but uh it worked for uh, me i uh <laughs> yeah i um I don't know. I, I hope it uh, it all uh, it all comes out. I hope it all comes out. No, I don't want to see this fight canceled over 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 this, and I don't think it will be. I think, like I said, I think they caught it, and I think it's going to be monitored, and and hopefully uh, hopefully he'll stay away from the cattle. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, you know what he says. Oh, now we'll move to see. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, you're answer. talking about a fight that's a, ba- basically a month away, right? Or not actually two months away. Two months. And two months. Uh, you know, you, you're 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 saying to yourself, okay, if the guy, I don't know enough about performance enhancing drugs, but if I've heard people try to tell me and all this stuff, well, you know, you could be on it, then cycle off of it, and and you know, not have it be detectable, et cetera, et cetera, and still you know enjoy the benefits of whatever you're taking it for. Um, you know, assuming that he knew exactly what he was doing and now make it like, oh, it's from the meat and I'm moving my training camp from, from Mexico to the U.S., um, it seems like a pretty good pretty good cover to tracks type of a story, but why not just have the training camp in the U.S. to begin with or don't eat the meat that has been publicly 
um, connected, to, or at least assumed connected to uh, previous fighters testing positive. It, it just sm- it stinks. It stinks like a scam to me, Sal. I'm sorry. I know, and 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 this gives a whole new level of credibility for vegetarians. I'm teasing. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It really is. It really is something else. And uh, I, like I said, I, I don't have the answers, but uh, I have a lot of opinions. And, um, you know, some I'll share, some I won't. But the bottom line is I think uh, you catch it now, you, 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 you monitor it, and uh, let's see what happens. Um, some other uh, things I wanted to touch on real quick. Um, you know, we're obviously still talking. I got a bunch of emails. We're still talking a lot about uh, the performance of Deontay Wilder uh, this past Saturday against Luis Ortiz, in my opinion, career-defining performance, as you yes. uh, thought so too. Um, Evander Holyfield had some had some stuff. He says, um, and this is really talking about um, Anthony Joshua. He says Anthony Joshua was fighting a boy named Parker, and Parker's a good fighter. Uh, he says uh, he has fast hands and he hits just as hard as Anthony Joshua does. You can't look past uh, this fight. He has. Uh, he says you can't look past this opponent because you know what styles make fights, uh, and the biggest thing is how much faith you have. If Joshua wins, then Joshua and Wilder could both make about two hundred and fifty million dollars. So why not make the money while the money's there? But at some point in time, who knows if Joshua will be there? Um, you know, reading between the lines. First of all, I, I I don't know if if they could both conceivably make that much money. So I don't know what what he's saying. Maybe he knows something I don't. But uh, but the truth of the matter is, and and I'm not saying they shouldn't make it because it is a no. huge fight. Um, but I I kind of read between the lines. He says at the end of his comment, he says, but at some point, who knows if Joshua will be there? It'll. It's almost like he's suggesting that. Joshua's not going to last to fight Wilder. That maybe Parker is going to beat him, or maybe somebody else is going to beat him. How, how, you, how do you take that play on words? you think it just came out wrong, or do you think he's trying to tell us something? No, I, I think especially, you know, look at Evander Holyfield. He was a warrior and, and uh, heavyweight champion of the world, and he beat the, the unbeatable uh, Mike Tyson, and he did some things that, uh, that no uh, – Blowing up light heavyweight will ever do like that, and 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 I I give him all the credit in the world. He, he did the right training, he did the right uh, uh, diet, and, and I mean he he did it all. And I, my hats off to him. He was phenomenal. And it's like I said, you know, every time I'm gonna tell you, Bill, and you know this, I am a big Anthony Joshua fan. I think he's great. I think he is right now the face, well, the co-face of the heavyweight division. Because uh, I'm telling you, Deontay Wilder's stock and 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 display the other night just soared with his his uh, his uh, value. He's got a power it. punch. Would you stop? Would you stop? Okay. He's got a okay. power punch that nobody okay. can deny, right, whether right, you like right. him or not. But but he did. He certainly didn't. He certainly didn't display anything in that fight. All right. All right. Uh, Let's you know. talk about Anthony Joshua. I've always felt in in all the fights that Anthony Joshua has entered. And I respect him. I think he's great. I think he's got power. I think he's got uh, the resiliency of, of, of coming back and doing this and recuperative powers. I, I sometimes look at his opponent and, and the fight level that he's going into, uh, such as when he fought Klitschko. And 
sometimes I think that Anthony Joshua might be exposed on some level. Now, he was very well tested against Klitschko. We saw the chin. We saw the recuperative powers. We saw his own power. We saw what he did. But, like I said, I, I think he's such a textbook you know, uh, fighter that I, I, I don't know what's going to happen when he gets in the ring against somebody that can really uh, have the innate ability to be an athlete and move and have a little speed and, and move on the outside, punch on the inside. I don't know. I don't know. But that's what I think Evander Holyfield is suggesting, too, that you know Joseph Parker may have some surprises. For Anthony Joshua. Well, Anthony, it, Anthony Joshua. I, I mean, uh, Deontay Wilder has the equalizer. He's got the he's got good. the punching power. So, so that's, that's always my whole point, and where we fiercely disagree is that he that's all he has, and it it, it was obvious on Saturday night that that's what he'll rely on. That's gonna he's gonna sink or swim with his power right. End of story. That's what Deontay showed me on Saturday. Now I'm not saying that that might that might be enough. That might. I've said it all along. It as might be enough. Love him, go ahead. I'm just saying it might be enough. But to say that you know he displayed other skills, I I, I just didn't see it. You know, and it's almost like and when you say about the wild punches. And not that I'm comparing. I don't want to get the emails. I'm not comparing uh, Anthony Joshua to Floyd Mayweather. I'm not. But, uh, uh, and I'm using Floyd because he's... There's the butt. There's the butt. Well, no, I'm using Floyd. I'm using Floyd because he's fresh in people's mind. And a lot of fans, you know, uh, know his style. And, and, And the thing about Floyd is that because of his technical solidness, if that's correct... Um, he is able or he was able to, you know, um, handle these wild guys that came after him. Marcus Madonna is is one, even though some people felt that uh, Madonna got to him in, in that first fight uh, with the same things that you suggest that Wilder has. You know, the wild, uh, unorthodox punches coming from cra- crazy angles, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, a, a talented uh, fighter loves guys that come in like that when they're all over. But I think that the question mark of Anthony Joshua's chin is really evident now when we saw that Deontay had a solid chin. So I, I don't know. I, I'm more interested in that fight than I ever was. Oh, so me, me too. And, and and like I said, my my, I love Anthony Joshua. He's a he's a textbook kind of guy. But you've heard it here from me for two years now, saying that. I'm not giving Anthony Joshua a, 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 an easy win if he steps in the ring with Deontay Wilder because I think that Deontay Wilder has a style and has that freakish power and has the resiliency now that we all know that may have some surprises for Anthony Joshua that he's never, never had to contend with. I don't care who he's fought. And like you suggested, yes, that power is the equalizer. He could turn a fight around with a one punch, and he showed us that several times. Yep. A um, couple other things real quick, and uh, we'll take a break and get to some uh, emails. But um, Daniel Jacobs, uh, after a lot of people and several people sent me uh, links to it and stuff, I watched it. But uh, a lot of so have a million other people. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, I don't know, conflict that took place between Daniel Jacobs and uh, the Char- Jamal Charlo uh, at the at the um, Barclays Center the other night. Um, 
you know, bottom line, uh, Danny Jacobs says, I'm going to win my next fight. I'm taking away Saluki's O, and then I'll go after Charlo. I'd like to see that fight because I think Charlo has been matched with guys that were physically smaller than him for throughout his whole career. Even though he just moved up to middleweight, he's still in there with guys that were smaller. Uh, when I saw him and Daniel Jacobs standing next to each other, I said, man, Danny Jacobs. I, I knew Danny Jacobs was big. But I, I, I still thought, I mean, when I watched Charlo, either Charlo brother, when I watched them fight, they look like their three weight classes bigger than they're fighting and on fight night, you know? So I, yeah. I thought it would be interesting. I, I, I like the fight. I hope it happens. Uh, two other things I want to bring up. We're going to take a break real quick. Uh, the WBA uh, is uh, waiting to see what happens with VADA concerning Canelo Alvarez and whether they're going to sanction that part of the fight. We've heard Canelo say he could, could care less about the WBC's belt and then we heard that they're creating a new belt for this fight. So uh, who knows? Who knows? Um, a couple other little tidbits real quick. Lucas Brown, uh, who's preparing for his fight against Dillian White, uh, is uh, uh, really uh, breaking out all the stops. He's been uh, sparring with Tyson Fury. Uh, so these two guys are working with each other. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Lucas Brown, uh, you know, has a chance to, you know, get back in the mix after he tested positive for uh, uh, PEDs. And one last thing. Uh, the current uh, uh, WBO 115-pound champion, uh, Niowa Inu, um, gave up uh, his uh, uh, title for the WBO. And now he's challenging uh, Jamie McDonald for his WBA 118 uh, strap. Uh, everybody wants to see him against, uh, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, but you know the guy who beat up Chocolito. <laughs> So uh, we'll see what happens there. Hey, listen, I'm going to take a short break. When we come back, Sal and I got some emails to read. Then we got Larry Hazard. Then we got uh, Alex Papali. All of that is coming up in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. I'm here with my man uh, Sal Rocky Senicola. And we are uh, going to be reading some emails. Sal, you ready? I am. At some point before the end of the show, I do want to make one more comment about Deontay Wilder. God. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, this first one is from my man Morgan. Uh, he says, uh, hey, Billy C. and Sal, I'm looking forward to the Canelo Triple G rematch. I know most felt Triple G won, but I viewed it differently. I watched uh, Cinnamon outbox the puncher. In my opinion, Canelo's movement and hand speed was the difference. Triple G couldn't land more than a jab in the first half of the fight, and Triple G certainly won the mid-rounds, while the late rounds were close. Triple G is overrated. Triple G feasted on a weak division for years. He stepped up the level of competition in his last couple of fights, and he's struggled. I thought he lost uh, his fight to Jacobs and Canelo. Uh, while Brooks, a natural welterweight, gave him a tough fight. Triple G made his reputation by beating good fighters like Gil, Murray, Rosado, while Canelo fought guys like Lara, Mayweather, Cotto. Um, I believe this fight will be similar to the first. 
uh, with the exception of Triple G being more aggressive. This will leave more countering options. Canelo will win by a close decision. It's a pleasure to listening uh, to listen to boxing. It's a real pleasure to listen to boxing talk show weekly. Well, we're daily, but uh, Thank thanks you. for your thoughts. I don't know if I uh, agree uh, with um, his assessment of uh, Triple G. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a Triple G fan. Um, I think that the division has been kind of not weak. I think it's been strong. And quite honestly, Canelo's never going to be able to beat Triple G unless if they stand in the pocket and they trade, it comes down to who can knock the other guy out. And I do believe, Sal, that both fighters have the ability to knock each other out. That's the kind of fight that I hope we see, that they both stand in the pocket, mano a mano, and, and the best man wins. If Canelo tries to outbox, which like Morgan is trying to say here, outbox Triple G, then what we're going to see is Canelo's version of Mayweather's style. But the difference is, is I've been saying this for years, Canelo, unlike Mayweather, Canelo cannot land effective punches while he's on the move. You know, a, a great boxers like Mayweather, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, et cetera, et cetera, Tommy Hearns, they could all land a significant blow while they were backpedaling or moving from side to side or whatever. Canelo can't. He's got to plant his feet to get the full zip behind his punches, and that is a deadly combination when facing Triple G. What's your thoughts? Well, you and I have been saying this for years, and I've always expected Canelo to uh, have heeded that recommendation either from you, I, or his camp. And the bottom line is I think he's done some things to improve that scenario, uh, whether it's fluent, whether it's innate, whether it's, it's, it's going to be enough. I haven't seen it yet that he's able to move and punch and, and, and do it on an effective level. Uh, so I don't know if it's something he's going to want to change and learn and do and practice and utilize uh, in a short period of time for the, for the next fight. But uh, I, you know, like I said, I, I think these guys, if they do have the ability to 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 knock out each other, I think it's going to come down to their hearts, their their ability to to stand in a pocket, slip some punches, and exchange the heavier ones. And and I think that's why it's going to be an anticipated war. And as we suggested, it's going to be picking up around 13. Uh, next email, uh, actually, I have two comments from uh, uh, Jonathan from the U.K. The first one says, uh, hey, guys, I enjoyed uh, both of your pre-match predictions of the Wilder-Ortiz fight. I felt the fight itself delivered and was very entertaining. Both fighters came the fight, and credit to Deontay for winning a hard-fought fight. The post-fight was raised two questions in my mind. Uh, why why has Wilder been given credit for his chin after round seven when he survived the tough round? But Joshua has had his chin criticized following uh, on from his tough fight with Vladimir. I thought both fighters got hurt and did what they needed to do to get through the rounds and come back to fight and win the fight. I personally think uh, in the heavyweight division, anyone can get hurt. Even Evander Holyfield has touched the canvas. And with the dominance of the uh welterweight division for over the last 10 years people must be judging heavyweights from the same viewpoint they would a welterweight the reason this fight 
and heavyweight boxing is so exciting because of the potential for knockouts at any given moment. The other question is, will we see Joshua Wilder in the summer? Should Joshua get through Parker? My thoughts are Hearn has always wanted this fight at Wembley, and it's the biggest capacity and is the capital. A Wembley fight has to be uh, in the warmer part of the year, and the ideal time is the beginning of August when the, in the soccer offseason. I'm suspicious that the talks between Hearn and Finkel agreed this at the end of last year, and Hearn and Finkel have advised Wilder to talk trash from then until they fight to maximize interest as he makes an excellent uh, heel. Uh, maybe I'm being optimistic, but Wilder will be part of the commentary team for Joshua versus Parker on the UK broadcast. Oh, my God, that's going to sound awful. Uh, the Klitschko-Joshua no. fight was put back and then announced in the ring after uh, Joshua fought Molina. So here's hoping I really enjoy the shows. Um, before I get to the, to the next point, which I hope, um, you know, the, the big difference, and let's not forget, and, and uh, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that Anthony Joshua's hit the canvas. <laughs> Deontay Wilder didn't, you know. I, I mean, uh, you know, the truth of the matter is you could say there was one point where the referee should have called it a knockdown. Uh, he did, um, you know, the ropes did appear to keep Deontay up. but That's why they're there. No, that's not why they're there. But <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that it helped. You know, it would have helped Deontay. Um, if he if it were ruled a knockdown, he would have had those eight seconds to to clear his head. But at the end of the day, he didn't go down, Sal. So I mean, you know, and, and I'm and I don't think that Luis Ortiz punches as hard as Vladimir Klitschko. But the point that I'm getting here from Jonathan is that you know both fighters have displayed uh, that they're susceptible. Um, to hard shots, and both have displayed that they're able to come back from from being uh, hurt. So I agree there. What do you think? Well, I agree. I think his email was spot on. I like his uh, theory as well as far as the promotion. And that's why I've said last week and this week, I think that the fight will take place. As long as Anthony Joshua does get by Joseph Parker, I think we will see a Deontay Wilder-Anthony Joshua heavyweight championship battle before the end of this year. And uh, I like I like I like that email, and I will tell you this: I could tie it into what I was going to say earlier. What I saw also with Deontay Wilder and what he does have, and I'm sure Anthony Joshua does too. Deontay Wilder does carry a certain level of confidence that 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 is not the false bravado that he's trying to give himself. I, it's innate. It's a real true confidence. When I saw, as you did, the punches he took and how hurt he was and that he could have gone down, and you have to look at a fighter at that point of his career who's never been hurt, who's never been tested the way that, that, that minute was. He didn't panic. He didn't do what he had, had to succumb to uh, what was expected to follow. I, you know what, Bill, I'm going to tell you, when he was taking an onslaught, from Luis Ortiz at that time, I, I I I was saying to myself, "Holy smoke, I can't believe this is happening. What am I going to have to do to say to Bill when we talk on Monday?" Uh, and, listen, I, and, and, and it, I was I was doing that. I was eating those words. Yeah, but and you then know when what? He came you know, back and he sustained. 
I said, wow, he is a champion. When, when he literally. survived it. When he survived it. When he survived it, I said, he's going to win this fight. As soon as I saw him survive that, I said, Deontay's going to win this fight. And and that was the end of that. Let me try and squeeze one more uh, email yeah, in. This is the second part of Jonathan's he e uh, email. He says, hey, Billy C., hang in there. You caught a lot of flack today for Wilder prediction, but you took it like a man. I'm curious to see why you feel Ortiz has such a great chin. Um to my knowledge, uh, Ortiz was untested in the chin department uh, as Wilder going into Saturday's fight. I also believe that whilst other fighters carry their power, they lose their punch resistance as they get older. When Sonny Liston got knocked out by Lee Otis Martin, he also uh, was listed at 39, but was rumored to be a lot older. The punches he took from Cleveland Williams in their two fights in the late 50s tell me that at that point a good chin, but 10 years later it was deteriorated. Is there any particular reason you thought Ortiz had a good chin? I personally uh, first questioned why he had never been put in with a puncher a couple of years ago when all the boxing hipsters got excited about him, and I felt that was a big question mark. In my last email, I pointed out that the chins in a heavyweight division can't be relied on because fighters are too powerful and need a lot of hard as you get into trouble at some point. Wilder and Joshua both have shown this. I'm hoping that all the posturing, including the talk over the splits to build a fight, uh, makes it happen. Klitschko and Takim fights. Hearn said that was planning for Joshua to fight Parker, uh, Wilder, and Fury in that order. Uh, he's gone on no record numerous times stating uh, that uh, is what Joshua wants. There were a lot of haggling over money uh, with Parker. To be frank, I think Wilder's behavior, uh, if it is staged, will help build the fight as the money he is saying he wants and saying Joshua's ducking him and turning his head into a villain character in the U.K. and building up a good classic versus evil match. If this fight is to happen in the UK be, uh, between May and August, the soccer uh, off season also Wembley has no roof, so it'll be too cold any earlier. I really look forward to this fight now. Um, me too. I hope it happens. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. The, the, the only way people are going to shut up about who's better uh, is when they fight. That's the only way to prove it. And uh, I love it. I love the fact that we're even having these conversations. Sal, we'll check back with you in a little bit. Uh, we are going to take a short break right now. And uh, when we come back, we're scheduled to have uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard join us. So uh, don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com, and tell them Billy C sent you. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there, Jeremy, man. Uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening 
and watch the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining me right now, Boxing Hall of Famer and New Jersey Boxing Commissioner uh, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How you doing today? Calm before the storm. Are you calm before the storm? We already get the storm. Uh, So what? I I guess. I guess. uh, I guess it's. uh, heading south this time. Normally, it's heads north. We're already getting it. They said, oh, it's going to start at 7 a.m. I'm telling you, I look out the window as I'm getting ready for the show. It was 7 o'clock on the nose, and it started snowing. I'm like, damn, they were pretty accurate this time, you know. But uh, anyway, speaking of storms, we saw one uh, Saturday night. Uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, listen, I'm just going to start off and say this. I, I was impressed with... He proved a lot of things to me Saturday night, um, Larry. Number one, he proved that maybe his chin isn't as bad as everybody says. Uh, he took a hellacious uh, uh, beating in the seventh round and never lost uh, his footing, even though I felt that the ropes did keep him up one time. But nonetheless, uh, the other thing he showed to me was that he showed me tremendous heart, uh, something that a lot of fighters say that they have but they don't prove it. And in my opinion, the only way to prove that you have heart is to show that you have heart during a situation similar to what Deontay went through. Uh, I had him losing that fight uh, up until uh, uh, he knocked out Ortiz. Uh, Those are all the positive things. My negative is that I see a one-trick pony in Deontay Wilder. His power shot, and that's what he relies on. And... It might be all he needs. What's your thoughts on the fight? Uh, where Wilder goes from here? Uh, what did you see? Well, you're right. You are absolutely right on all of the above. First, I got to say, you got to give him his props. 100%. You know, we, huh. we saw a great display of what I call the sweet science. That, If only one aspect of it, it was it was a perfect um, uh, exhibit. Um all of the questions that we last Saturday night, they certainly were answered. Uh, he was losing on my scorecard, although I found it quite, um, you know, surprising that that the, the judges had had Wilder ahead. Were you really surprised? Were you that surprised when you saw that? Well, not really. <laughs> Not really. You know, I was saying, here we, here we go again. You were disappointed. You know what? I, I, I never correct your choice of words, but maybe you should have said you were disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that would have been a better choice. Because <laughs> I know you weren't surprised. I, I know you couldn't have really been that surprised. I, I, I could see you now shaking your head because I was, I'm saying the same thing. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm watching it. I'm going, wait a minute. What, what fight were they watching? But uh, forget it. it. You know what? We never had to live through that, Larry. It ended the way it should have. Uh, I'm like, is this for real? Here we go again. <laughs> yeah. And Steve Farhood, of course, who really is not a judge. You know, he's a ringside judge. He had it right on. You what? know, he had Ortiz head, like I did. Um, I thought that I thought that Wilder got a little bit of a break. I think it was uh, round six or at the end of round six where Ortiz had him in trouble. Okay, and he got a few seconds extra to recuperate coming out for that round. Not that it would have made much of a difference, 
because I I saw Ortiz, you know, uh, getting tired. I says, oh boy, yep. he didn't finish him. Yeah, I think he shot his load. Yeah, I could see it. Yep. Okay, I I could see it. But but like I said, Saturday night Wilder, he he answered all of the questions. You know, and he he actually put he put he put. But I saw also, uh, Billy, I'm going to say very quickly, I saw a one-dimensional fighter, though, yep. in Wilder. Yep. You know, he's waiting for that right hand, and that's it. He doesn't even have the jab anymore. No. No, he and he doesn't. He doesn't use it. He didn't. He didn't use it. You know, God forbid that poor guy hurts his hand in a fight. And I, and I thought that I tell you, early in that fight, Ortiz landed a shot, a left that landed right on the elbow of uh, Wilder. And I said, "Uh oh, yeah. you watch." And now his hand is is going to be hurt. But they never said anything about it. But um, you're you're right. I, I mean, Wilder, especially when he was when he was getting slapped around. Um, you know, he reverts back to what's what's his normal automatic thing, and that's that's his power punch. Now, now the the, yeah. the thing is, though, Larry, that may be all he ever needs. You know, um, and and that's the sad thing. The other thing is that you know he was facing a southpaw, so that could have been the reason why it seemed that Ortiz. Uh, uh, seemed to connect at will when he wanted to. One, one thing I wanted to bring up real quick about the scoring before we jump back to uh, to Wilder is exactly what happened in the in a knockdown early in that fight. I forget what round it was, maybe maybe fourth or, or fifth. Um, we had uh, uh, we had uh, Deontay Wilder knock down Ortiz. And then they showed uh, Steve Farhood's scorecard right after that. And all I could think of was you. Because in that round, Ortiz was winning yeah. that round. I mean, he was winning, yeah. in my opinion, decisively. You know, and then all of yeah. a sudden he gets the flash knockdown. Because he wasn't hurt. He really wasn't. He gets the flash knockdown. And when Farhood starts saying, he says, well, I gave him a 10-8 round. He got the knockdown. And I said, you know, there's that three-point swing that Larry yep. is always talking about because it happened right there. Did he win the round because of the knockdown? Yes, but was it a two-point round? I don't know. I would if that knockdown didn't take place, I would have scored that round 10-9 in favor of Ortiz. What were you thinking? Yes. Same thing. Same thing. See, I I am convinced that the 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 use of those numbers in a more liberal fashion will certainly contribute greatly towards uh, re resolving some of these um, unpopular decisions, especially when these fights are ending in the draw or, you know, it takes away from judges keeping the fight close, okay? And I, and I don't say that they do it out of any dishonest motivation. It's just that they, they don't want to be criticized heavily but a lot of these fights, even when they get the right winner, the score really doesn't uh, demonstrate how wide the margin should, you know, should have been, how great the win was. You know, it was like a close win when it really wasn't. You know, it was a real, uh, you know, a real wide big win. You know, but um, once again, you know, it's just, it's just that I don't think that the scoring system is being used properly and. There was a demonstration of it, you know. Now back to uh, Deontay Wilder and and his performance. I mean, 
you know, I, I can't criticize uh, his performance in terms of the result and all those things we said a few moments ago with, with him showing that he had heart and his chin was a little better. Um, but one thing uh, Sal um, Senecola has been disagreeing with me, and I've, I've taken a lot of uh, flack for it, is that um, I, I don't see anything in, in Deontay Wilder, and, and people are – I'm giving him the credit. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm giving him all the credit in the world. He proved a lot to me. His value in my mind skyrocketed after Saturday night. But at the end of the day, Larry, I still see a guy that doesn't use any boxing ability, whether he doesn't have it or whether he just resorts to the old faithful, uh, his right hand. His footwork is terrible. He's got zero defense. His hands are never up. And, you know, when he, even when he delivers the power hand, he's never in position to protect himself. I mean, you know, a good, fast, young fighter. I mean, Ortiz was getting to him. You know, and, and of course, everybody's comparing, well, when he fights Anthony Joshua. Now, the thing I will say about Deontay is he's got the punching power to end it quickly. Um, but should that fight linger on? And that's the other thing. Uh, Wilder is in great physical condition. This guy, if he wasn't in physical condition, he would have never survived that fight. Uh, so, you know, when you factor that in, if both fighters can hit his, the, the same and both can weather the punch, well, then now you start going to the other box of, of assets, and, and I don't see any other assets with Deontay. What, what do you think? Well, I think you said something um, that's very key at the very beginning. Maybe he doesn't need it. You know, maybe, maybe what we see in Wilder is all he really needs. Um, of course, you know, at some point he's going to need more. But maybe what he has right now is enough to take him the rest of his career to the point where, you know, he's going to be done anyway because he's got height. You know, he's long, he's lean. He's got that powerful punch, okay? And as long as he keeps doing what people – this is what people expect. Fans expect this of heavyweight boxing. They like knockouts, you know, and, and that's what they'll come to see. You know, so he's he can become a star uh, in his own right by just keep knocking guys out. Yep, and that's what he's doing. That's yeah. what he's doing. So maybe that's all he's going to need. I, I, uh, maybe I, that maybe that's all he'll need against against Joshua. You're right. We'll see. You're right. And and maybe that, that's it. That's all. That's all he'll ever need at all. And and you know, you bring up a, an interesting point. You know how we're always saying, "Oh, well, we wish we could get our sport back to the popularity where it was," and blah blah blah. And you know, well, we need this. We need that. Well, let me tell you. You know, I, I had an observation Saturday night, and I'm watching the fight, and I'm listening to the crowd booing. First of all, it was it, even in the feel-out rounds, it was still, I was on the edge of my seat. I was excited for that fight from the minute the bell rang until the end. I, I, it was an exciting fight to me, even during, uh, you know, a couple of those uh, uh, rounds where it, there was lack of excitement inside the ring. But I, I was still on the edge of my seat. It, I always had this feel that something could happen, you know. Something was going to happen. Right. And, 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 I'm, and I'm listening to the crowd booing. And I said to myself, you know what, if anybody needs any more proof that what boxing really needs are fighters that are willing to exchange with each other to bring back the masses, 
then all they got to do is watch the replay of that fight and listen to the audience. The audience wasn't mm -hmm. looking at who had the better boxing skill. The audience wasn't watching at who could counter better and who all they cared about was who who was going to end up standing up, you know? And they were yeah. trying yeah. to express their feelings by booing when the when they weren't, you know, going at each other. And when they were going at each other, they're getting standing ovations. So I mean, there's yeah. nothing else that we could ask for from the sport of boxing is to get willing dance partners that are willing to fight, not run. What do you think? Well, see what what we what we're witnessing now. Okay, it just goes goes to show you the impact that past errors can have on the sport, especially in the heavyweight division. We're still living under the aura of Mike Tyson in heavyweight boxing. And this is what the fans, the fans are still used to. Mike Tyson, who comes right out, gives them all the excitement and knocks guys out, especially in the heavyweight division. So, you know, the way that the heavyweight division goes, so goes boxing. So, you know, we eventually got a taste of that last Saturday night. One uh, Wilder went down. It was almost a, rec a replica of the Joshua Fisco fight. This is what fans come to expect in heavyweight boxing. If they don't get it, they boo. Okay? You know, as soon as they get it, they cheer. And we're still living under that whole shadow of the Mike Tyson era where, you know, he came out and he demolished his opponents as a heavyweight in heavyweight boxing, this is what the fans expect. And as long as they keep getting it, you know, the sport, you know, will, will be popular like it was. You know, boxing was very popular Saturday night. Well, that's, you know, the, the, you make a great point because when Mike Tyson, you know, would fight and a fight would last 30 seconds, you ask anybody that spent $100 to watch it if they felt they got their money's worth, then they'll tell you, yeah. You know, now, you yep. know, you watch a, a, a pay-per-view, you shell out $100 for, and everybody walks away saying, I'll never buy another one again. You know, so uh, it is right. what it is. Uh, but uh, but I'm, I'm excited to see the showdown. There's one fight, and that's uh, Wilder against uh, Anthony Joshua. There's no reason to yep. let it drag on. Make the fight happen. Uh, Deontay will have to go over to England, but you know he should be compensated. I'm sure there's interest in 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 this fight, uh, uh, you know, outside of the U.S. So I mean, it, it has to take place. Uh, I don't think it'll take place this year. What do you think? Well, I, I, no, no, because you know he see his stock went up. Okay, before last Saturday, and I think you know you you may or may not agree. There was no way that I felt uh, Deontay could, you know, get any of his demands. But now he's proven it, man. His stock has gone up now. So he may hold out, you know, for a little bit more. I don't think he's really going to get as much as he, you know, is demanding. But he might get a little bit more. But I don't think the fight's going to take place this year. No. Nah. You know, I really don't. No. Nah. But, but, um, but he should. the fight that people. But he should get his money. I agree with you. I, I think Deontay. I think Deontay Wilder. The best thing that could have happened financially for him was the exact 
same fight that we watched on Saturday. Because if he yeah. was willing to, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it's still a 50-50 fight, but it's definitely 60-40. I, I don't think he should take a penny less than 40, you know. Absolutely. But, uh, Absolutely. but we'll, we'll see. And, and you know what? The demand is going to be there. At the end of the day, the promoters know when when a, when they're offering somebody less than what they're asking for, it's because they know what the maximum you know stream, the revenue stream would be for the fight. And clearly, that revenue stream has increased based on Deontay's performance uh, last Saturday. So no, he he deserves more money. There's no question about it. Now, I don't I don't think he yeah, deserves fifty fifty only because he and maybe maybe this has changed. Now, but he he clearly doesn't have the drawing power that AJ has, um, but uh, but he deserves to get paid. There's no question. Absolutely, and either way, win or lose, you know, if he if he puts up a good fight against um, Joshua, or if Joshua, I'm gonna do it the other way. If Joshua puts up a good fight against him, because right now, you know. His stock is going up. I'm not so sure that Joshua can beat him now. I know. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm not so sure. I, I, listen, Before I was sure, it, but I'm not so sure now. You know, my um, my thought about AJ was that no way would Deontay handle the the punching uh, power of AJ, but. You know, right. now I and, and and you know what? Let's be real. Ortiz wasn't really a power puncher. He was a lot older than what they said. But it is what it is. I'm giving Deontay all the props, and uh, and and I I think that the fight, I think Deontay deserves to get paid, and I think that this fight has quickly become a a fifty fifty fight. And what I mean by that is you're going to have the same amount of people on one side as there is on the other. So. Uh, and that's what makes boxing uh, uh, great. You know, one thing I wanted to ask, one last thing about Deontay, and then I got something else I wanted to ask you about real quick. But uh, one other thing about Deontay, you know, there seems to be a, a big argument. I, and, and I am very adamant about my feeling that Deontay Wilder has zero footwork, that this guy stumbles over his own feet. Um, and people mm -hmm. are criticizing me for, for my opinion. You know, they're saying he's athletic, he moves fluent, he's got footwork, he knows range. And I'm saying to myself, no, that's exactly what I don't see. I don't see him utilizing range. If he did, Ortiz wouldn't have been able to touch him any, at all that night. You know, I mean, he had, what, five-inch reach advantage on, on, uh, on Luis Ortiz? I, I mean, so if he had experience in finding the proper range... He would have picked Ortiz apart, then knocked him out. Instead, Ortiz landed a lot of shots. What's your thoughts on his footwork and and his ability to, um, you know, hone in uh, range-wise? Well, if he's got footwork, he's not showing it. He certainly hasn't shown it in any of his fights. You get you get very little side-to-side -side movement with him in terms of dancing and moving. You know, he walks around, he stumbles. Okay, but... He does what he has to do. He's All he does is try to position himself to throw that right hand. But I see very little footwork from Deontay Wilder. Matter of fact, Deontay Wilder doesn't even show the jab anymore. No. <laughs> early on, early on, he used to, you know, stick that jab. I said, oh, man, this guy, you know, he's going to go someplace. But then he discovered that he had all of this power in that right hand. And so you don't see anything. To me, he's totally one-dimensional, but that's all he needs right now, and that's making him very exciting. And hey, believe me, 
I can settle for that. You know, but I have to agree with you there. He doesn't he doesn't really show any footwork or any and he has all of the tools that would probably make him a much better fighter if he would utilize it. But he doesn't I haven't seen any footwork from uh Deontay. None. I'm with you. I keep trying to say that, but uh, whatever. Um, Canelo. Uh, Canelo uh, just uh, tested positive for a performance-enhancing drug that he claims came from the Mexican beef. Uh, Remember the old McDonald's commercials. Where's the beef? Where's the Mexican beef? Um, My thoughts on this, Larry, is it's a joke because I think that um, this guy tested dirty. And you can blame it on the beef all you want. I, I think there has to be some kind of repercussions. I, I do not believe that this should just be shoveled under the carpet and be forgotten about. This is, this is a, what I see is a guy that feels that he can't lose no matter what. And he, he, he just did what we don't want fighters to do. Figured I needed an edge somehow and, and, and basically was about to cheat. What's your thoughts on that whole situation? Well, my, my Bronx tale, uh, quote, nobody cares, okay, Billy, nobody cares. First off, you know, again, where's the beef? They, see, they found a convenient excuse, you know, in Mexico about the beef. But why isn't nobody getting sick? Why aren't you, you know, contaminated meat? Wouldn't that make you sick at least? You know, if you have anybody coming down with any serious illness, but yet still... You know, it's in the it's in the food, it's in the beef. That's a bunch of crap. And if anybody really cared, if they were really serious about it, they would, you know, they would start to really, really institute some serious disciplinary actions against these fighters. But that's not going to happen. You know, it's not going to happen. Um, the fight is going to go on. Okay, everybody's going to make the money. The sanctioning groups, um, you know, Nevada is going to you know, benefit from it if the fight's there. And um, that's it. And it, it'll be written about. Um, it'll get have its shelf life, and then everything will die, you know. So we heard about it, what, yesterday, day before? So maybe they'll throw it out there for another day or so, and then that'll be it. It'll all be forgotten until the fight gets near again. They'll bring it up again, but the fight's still going to take place. So it's just news. That's all it is. It sounds like an excuse for Triple G if he loses. (laughs) If Triple G uses, they're going to blame the steroids. If he wins, they're not going to say nothing, you know. (laughs) You know, know, I don't even know if he'll win. You know, sometimes I wonder if if these guys who are on the drugs, if it's really going to help them or not, you know. Sometimes I wonder. Yeah, no, I'm with Stuff like that, you know, we know that does make a difference, but. Sometimes I wonder if it really would help them in boxing. You know, they've done many, many studies in, in the past. I'm, I'm not saying with with boxers and and performance enhancing drugs, but where, you know, they'll 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 have uh, one side taking a, a drug and the other side thinking they're taking a drug and they're giving them sugar pills and uh, or giving yeah. them something and and they're and they're all they're all feeling the effects that they're supposed to be feeling from the other thing you know and they're not getting anything so yeah. I, I don't know it, it's all mental i think a lot of times but uh uh so be it but uh, one last question and i got to run already my man but uh Sergey Kovalev um 
you know, it, it, it was like it was an uneventful fight. He pounded this human punching bag, and they, they finally stopped it. Uh, obviously, the the uh, the undercard, the co-main event in uh, Dimitri Bivol uh, with Sullivan Barrera was a, was a much uh, more significant fight, and it was a uh, more entertaining fight. The, the question is, where's Kovalev go? I mean, you know, the fights with Ward, especially the last one where – you know, I know his fans say he was hit below the belt and, you know, the referee screwed up and all this stuff. And what I saw was a guy looking for help from the referee. And I've lost a lot of respect for Kovalev. Can he get it back? Is he the same fighter? What's your thoughts? Well, you know, um, like we always say, the only way we find that out is if he gets the right dance partner. And we'll find out. Right now... I think what we saw Saturday night is, is about as much as we can expect from Kovalev at this point, unless, you know, they put, they need a, they, they certainly have to up the competition, put that in front of them. I don't see, I don't see him going any further than he's gone at this point, you know, unless Ward comes back out of retirement and they fight again, you know, he doesn't, to me, he doesn't even generate the same amount of excitement that he once generated, and I think that he lost a lot, not just the fight, in the losses to Ward. You know, the complaining, um, you know, and all of the other stuff. That's not what fans like to see from their boxing heroes. And uh, Kovalev, you know, he just lost a lot from it. You know, he gained a lot when he beat uh, Bernard Hopkins, even though Bernard was over the hill. He still gained a lot from that but I think he lost it all when he fought Ward. So we'll just have to wait and see where he goes. But at this point in time, they may as well try to find the best opponent that's out there and try to make the match and see where we go from there. But I don't think we're going to see much more than what we saw Saturday night from Kovalev. No, and I I don't know if my main point, I don't think there's an interest anymore, (laughs) you know? Uh, no. There was there was way more interest in the co-main event than there was in his fight. Plus, he he picks a guy. I mean, it, you know, if he was if he was you know fighting Bivol, you know, that's a guy. Let's see him fight Bivol. You know, uh, you know, he's got to fight somebody yeah. good. You know, yeah, he needs to. Yeah, the dance partner. That's and I, I'm over my time. I got to go. But uh, that uh, Uzel Kergui or Cat uh, uh, I can, I murdered this guy's yeah. poor name. Uh, talk about justice being served. He 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 beat up on Andre Durrell. Uh, what a uh, good old fashioned bring you hi- behind the woodshed and and give you a whipping because that's exactly what he he laid on Durrell. And you know the one thing I noticed about Durrell, chaos in that corner, man. I mean, I, you know, wow. he just I you can't you know when I watch that it it just it's like fingernails on a blackboard. You know, I just. I don't understand where some of these fighters get off. I mean, if you're going to have a guy in your corner that you're listening to, listen to him. Make it, you know, if you're going to have a disagreement, do it outside, not not during the fight. You know what I mean? Well, I was just waiting for you to give me a break. I was going to say the same. We were thinking great minds think alike. <laughs> Chaos in that corner. And Virgil, uh, he was outside down on the floor. And I'm wondering, well, hey, wait, Virgil, I thought they brought you in as a specialist. You know, why didn't they let Virgil get in there and try to get this guy going? But he was on the outside on the floor. I don't know if you noticed that. Yeah. And after round one, look how long it took for him to put the stool in, 
for someone to come in in round one. I know. I know. And not only that, but he wasn't even listening to, to, to he wasn't even listening to Virgil. How many I wish I had a nickel for every time Virgil kept saying, Look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm like, ah, well, but, screaming at him. I, look at me, look at me. That, you know, and then he's telling him, if you don't start fighting, I'm gonna stop the fight. And then I I but guess I guess he decided to stop I guess Darrell decided he had enough on his own because uh Virgil was gonna give him one more round and they didn't even go to that round. I know. I know. <laughs> he decided that it was over. I know. Well, he did take a beating, but Larry, great yeah. chatting with you. We we'll look forward to next week, brother. Okay, Billy. All right, Stay man. Here. Have a good one. You too. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard giving us his thoughts on uh, uh, the Deontay Wilder fight. Hey, I'm just glad he agreed with me about the footwork because everybody out there that says I don't know what I'm talking about, listen to Larry. He knows what he's talking about. We'll be back with the blast from the past, which is on the Madison Square Garden this time. Different, huh? Uh, don't go anyways. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to The Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, it's that time again. Uh, we're going to be doing the Blast from the Past. And this week's Blast from the Past is being uh, brought to us in part by KOFantasyBoxing.com. Check it out, www.KOFantasyBoxing.com. And the Title Bout Championship computer game. Download yourself a copy today. Visit our website, BillyCBoxing.com, and click on the Title Bout banner. Um, you know, we have been riding pretty high on uh, uh, on you guys uh, requesting our blast from the past and, and our new segment, uh, Billy C's uh, Magic uh, Boxing Box or whatever we've called it. Uh, we're doing another episode tomorrow. Uh, and, and again, we have uh, quite a bit of uh, requests from you guys. But today's blast from the past was, was, was pretty unique. Um, and uh, joining me right now to tell us all about Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you heard it right. That's the blast from the past today. It's on. It's on a thing. It's on a place. It's on a. It's on a noun because a noun is a person, place, or thing. Is on Madison Square Garden. And joining us, our uh, very own English major, is uh, Captain. No, no, no. Major Captain, get it? Is uh, Alex Papali. What's up, Alex? You like that, huh? You like that? <laughs> yeah. Good morning, Billy C. <laughs> What's happening? Yeah, um, I guess that's that's the way we could define the blast. We only do nouns. Here. Yeah. <laughs> right. We do nouns. That's right. <laughs> any noun, we'll do it. You give us a noun, we'll do it. Don't be mixing in any any adjectives. Don't be doing that. We don't want that's to right. fast. Don't. We want. Could you do the? Can you do a blast from the past on? fast uh 
No, we can't. But anyway. Today's blast is on the word immediate. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Uh, We could do a blast on uh, carne asada. Hey, what about conjunction? What's my function? Are are you two, you remember that on, uh, it was like a cartoon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, a, I'm just a bill sitting on a Capitol, Capitol Hill. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Hey, see, that's what the kids of today miss. Now they go. Now they go. Google. How do I mail a letter? You know, yeah. Siri. How do I get to my mailbox at the end of my my driveway? But uh, Madison yeah, Square it's, Garden. It's funny. They, they they have Alexa wars with their parents. My little nephew uh, was doing that this weekend. Um, they have Alexa. And uh, he'll just be, hey, Alexa, play Star Wars main theme. And, and my my brother will be like, Alexa, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Alexa, you're going to get grounded in a minute. You know, you're going to be grounded, Alexa. Knock it off. Stop yeah. listening to them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Madison Square Garden, man. Tell us about this joint. Yes, the world's most famous arena. And, of course, uh, it is replete with boxing history. Um uh, and you know, you kind of threw me a little bit because um, I'm here. I am looking for one in Florida. I didn't come up with another one. Um, the only ones that the only Madison Square Garden that I could find has been there's been four of them, but they've all been in New York City within you know miles of them. So you know, I could pause for a second if you wanted to throw that in. Yeah. Well. About- yeah. In the 30s, um, and, and I, I don't know when it was demolished, but in Miami. They had a Madison Square Garden. As a matter of fact, if you look up that venue um, on Box Rec, they have a whole uh, a whole bunch of fights that took place at the uh, Madison Square Garden in Miami. That went from uh, it was it was a small window in the '30s, I, it, the early early to mid '30s, and then you don't see anything again from it. So um, interesting, and, yeah. And, I I couldn't find that. And the only reason why I knew that was because you know I was doing some research on on uh, a fight one time and and it was saying it was at Madison Square Garden and in parentheses it said Miami and I was like wait a minute you know what are they talking about and then you know I come to find out that there was and I thought that there was another one somewhere too um but uh, but nonetheless we are talking specifically about the Madison Square Garden in New York City so uh, uh tell us about it because a lot of people might not know uh, that the first one uh, was a long time ago, and um, uh, P.T. Barnum from the circus is the guy who uh, brought it in, right? Yeah, it's uh, you know it was back in, in the 1870s. Uh, the first MSG um, was at uh, Fifth Avenue and 23rd Street, and um, it opened in. I have two dates. It opened in 1879. Um, but then I also see that it was, I think that maybe it construction started in 1874, but it was an abandoned railroad shed that had been converted into a sports arena, you know, and there was people critical it's New York city. So people called it grimy right at the start. Uh, and then there was a second location, um, in 1890, not too long later. Uh, and that one was at eighth Avenue and 50th street. 
1925, the third MSG opened, and that was uh, December 15th, 1925, uh, and that one was at 7th Avenue and 33rd, and as far as I know, that's the same uh, the same one that's today. It's been refurbished quite a few, uh, a couple of times, um, and that fourth M. I'm sorry, did I say February 14th, 1968? Well, that, that was that... when the fourth MSG opened, um, and yeah, the of course we it, it's. The first fight was December 11th, 1925, and it was between um, a guy we've done in the past, another noun, uh, Jack Delaney versus Paul Berlenbach, and uh, Berlenbach defeated Delaney. And of course, Jack Delaney was the guy uh, who had the interesting, um, it's always interesting how some of these guys get their names. Uh, his real name was Ovila Chapdelaine, and he got the name Jack Delaney probably from a ring announcers saying Chap Delane, uh, the way they would maybe like uh, sort of tease that name out. People started hearing Jack Delaney. Um, well, they yeah. had such okay. hey Alex. They had such great sound systems back then. But uh, uh, you know, but but listen, just just to clarify, the the original. Um, the original Madison Square Garden was actually an outdoor arena, um, and that one is one of the reasons that they uh, uh, needed to uh, change it uh, after the first 11 years, and they had demolished it was when they came out with the Madison Square Garden at the same location, too, which had a roof so that they could uh, actually have uh, other events in there. But, but you, and, and, the, and the funny thing is, is that the building at that time um, you know, the second time when they, when 1890, when they uh, uh, built the, the second one with the roof, and that went on till 1925, the cost of that uh, in 1890 to complete. So, in other words, they demolished the outdoor one, then they built this new one with a roof that was in existence for those 35 years, cost a whopping $3 million. I mention that because when we get to the latest. Uh, uh, Madison Square Garden. The renovations alone were uh, were a hundred times that. But uh, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. Um, the other thing was is that the uh, uh, the third Madison Square Garden that was built was in the new location between uh, 49th and uh, 50th Streets on Eighth Avenue, and that was the one that they kept saying was the uh, venue that uh, Tex built. Remember the house that Tex built? Te Tex Ricard was in charge of that, which was also the reason why boxing started coming uh, to it. That one cost four, almost $5 million to do uh, in that time. So the, the money starts going up, but, uh, man, nothing like what you were going to get to uh, when, they, uh, uh, when they did the uh, update because uh, that one ran until uh, 1968 like you said yeah i mean it's uh it is it's a, an amazing uh rich history when you think about it because of course that uh tex rickard is the uh also the rangers new york rangers um that's was for a place for them to play as well if i if i'm not mistaken yeah you know what i think they may have and probably coach knows more he's a big hockey guy but i think that they may have entered the national hockey league around that time when the third msg was built in the in the uh early to mid 20s uh, i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that that's when they entered the the uh, nhl so yeah great well, point 
well, you know how I like uh, morbid connections. Um, there was one that was interesting about the second garden. And yeah, that was one of the things they called the first one was a car barn for the New York and Harlem Railroad. Uh, so that gives you an idea of, yeah, it was like a big parking lot. Um, the second one uh, was designed by architect Stanford White, who um, was, I guess, a kind of flamboyant character. And I guess later uh, was actually that second garden had a fancy restaurant in the top floor. And um, Stanford White was shot to death up in that restaurant by uh, an angry um, husband as part of a love triangle. Oh, you loved finding that. I, I love you know, finding that. The, the, the place has ghosts. That 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 made this whole blast for you, I'm sure. You know, you're like, oh, oh, finally. You know, because because you're probably saying to yourself, oh, geez, I'm not going to be able to look at any obituaries for this one or anything. Well, there's the other uh, extraordinarily public death that almost led to you know uh, some more of those voices to ban boxing, uh, Benny. Kid Perrette was killed in the garden. Uh, well, he died a few days later in the hospital, but of course, you know, the beating he got from Emil Griffith is what led to his death. Um, yeah, in terms of great fights. Hold uh, on, hold on. I got to stop you because Sal and I, feel, oh, I know. <laughs> uh, we, you know, now we did it and it's airing on, on several networks right now. Our Boxing Revisited series, we watched Benny Kid Perrette fight Gene Fulmer in the most brutal fight I have ever watched. It was 10 rounds, Hagler-Hearns, and I'm telling you that that is the fight. First of all, it, it ended both those careers because Benny Kid Perrette was allowed to fight uh, uh, um, Emil Griffith less than three weeks later, through about three weeks later, and Gene Fulmer only fought three more times. He never won again. Uh, that fight really destroyed both of those fighters. If, if you guys haven't seen that fight... Go punch it up. It's available on YouTube. You want to watch Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perrette. Tell me it's not the most brutal fight you ever saw. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yes, and but of course, the the one that um, led to his death, uh, the immediate led to his death, was the uh, the loss to, um, to Emil, Emil Griffith. Griffith. And, and that was uh, also it, on TV. That, that also was in everybody's right, living room, you know, so that exactly. didn't help either, you know. Yeah, and actually, I have, if we have time, I have, there's a, a beautiful, uh, as much as it's tragic, and it's uh, very violent, uh, but there's a description from Norman Mailer, because he was ringside at that fight, that's just amazing, um, but... Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I thought I wrote it down somewhere here, but I think Tony Canzaneri had the most fights in the Garden, 29. Ezard Charles fought there 28 times. Bo Jack fought there 27 times. Um, when you think about the greatest fighting there, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and Henry Armstrong fought there 37 times between the two of them, and they actually fought each other one time, August 27, 1943, and uh, Ray Robinson beat uh, Armstrong. Um, Joe Lewis fought in the Garden uh, 12 times, and um, of course the most famous might... I'm a little confused, though, uh, because... Someplace in this, I wanted to ask you if you if I was if you were sure about if you might have known about this because I'm pretty sure the ring that they used when they had fights at Yankee Stadium may may have been the Garden Ring. 
Uh, I thought I read that somewhere. So if you think about it, then the um, famous fight, uh, most one of the most famous fights of Lewis' career, of course, was the uh, rematch with Max Schmeling. Um, if that was the same ring, it wasn't in the garden, but it was on the same ring. That ring, the Madison Square Garden ring, has been donated to the International Boxing Hall of Fame and is there in the um, the building, like just beyond, uh, just next to the Hall of Fame. There's a, a building there where they do their outdoor uh, lectures and stuff, and it's in there. Now, I think there's a little controversy there because I remember Colleen Acock saying it's not, it might not be the actual uh, same ring, but um, uh, as far as I know, that is what at least the Boxing Hall of Fame's um, website says, and I think when you're there, the display, but I remember Colleen knowing a few ins and outs the uh, reason that it might not be the same. I, I could be wrong about that. Does that ring a bell to you? Uh, as far as every, as far as I know, it is the uh, the ring that was in Madison Square Garden now, whether it was the same ring from all those years ago um, or if it was the very last ring that um, that they, you know, claimed was the, Mad the famous Madison Square Garden ring, that I don't know. But what I do know is exactly what you said. It's in that building um, where you could also spend more money at the Hall of Fame buying books and stuff <laughs> and shirts and T-shirts. But it's in there. And it looks like... Uh, you know, based on today's standards for New York State, with the ring size that requirements, it's it's a way smaller ring uh, than uh, you know the the twenty by twenty that you need now. So if you have never been up to the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame in Canastota, and if you do visit, make sure you go in there and check out that ring because uh, um, it does have. Uh, it, it's it, Alex is a ring whisperer, and he gets all kinds of whispers from that ring, right? Especially yeah, that Max, and, that and Max Schmeling fight. I have the original radio broadcast uh, that um, is uh, on. Uh, I have it as an MP3 file, and uh, it's chilling to listen uh, to that. Oh, but, yeah, uh, think about it. You just sort of put your hands on it and feel those vibes from uh, so many great champions. I mean, that's the ring where Duran defeated Kenny Buchanan. Um, that is the ring, like I said, where uh, Rocky Marciano knocked out Joe Lewis. Um, so many great fights there. Um, the uh, the way that ring actually goes together is a little unique compared to other rings. Uh, let me just read this from the Hall of Fame's website because I guess there's no nuts and bolts. Uh, the 82-year-old 20-by-20-foot ring is certainly unique in every aspect. It includes four distinctive brass corner posts, plywood flooring, and a one-ton iron infrastructure which hooks together without the use of nuts and bolts. The strong frame, which con consists of 28 iron beams, 10 feet each in, uh, in length, and nine posts creates a four-foot-high platform that supports the floor. Over the years, the aesthetics of the rings have changed, including the corner pads, the floor cushion padding, the bull ropes, and the respected velvet covers, and of course, the canvas. Uh, because of the ring's unique position of the four corner posts, which are inset, to allow a one-foot apron on the outside of the ropes, the renowned boxing supplier Everlast has a special MSG canvas that only fits the garden ring. Huh. Well, that's uh, maybe that. Maybe there's the proof right there. Yeah, could be. <laughs> uh, but when you, I, I mean, my own experience, uh, you know, uh, for what it's worth, I had the privilege of seeing uh, six fights in that. Um, 
in that room, uh, in the big room at Madison Square Garden. And one of them was uh, a really big one because uh, the first one I saw was Pernell Whitaker versus uh, Buddy McGirt, their first fight. I saw, I got to see all the fights in the um, uh, Don King middleweight tourney with Felix Trinidad that culminated. I saw Trinidad Joppy, and then I saw Trin Hopkins Trinidad, which of course had other significance because it was originally scheduled for September 15th, 2001 and of course on the tuesday of that week was september 11th uh with those catastrophic events in new york city and the fight was postponed it ended up happening september 29th 2001 um both fighters i believe had to stay yeah because air travel was grounded i think both fighters had to stay the whole period in the area and i think they trained in new jersey or something and um you know, uh, Hopkins certainly drew energy from it. Um, perhaps Trinidad was sapped a little bit, had to maintain the weight for two extra weeks. And um, the fight ended up coming off on the 29th. It was the first big sporting event on the island of Manhattan after 9-11. And um, then there also was, you know, it was the first time that the middleweight champion was uh uh, unified mid championship was unified, I think, since Hagler. Um, but uh, I also saw Vladimir Klitschko versus I mean, Vitaly Klitschko versus Kirk Johnson in a snow snowstorm. Uh, I saw Cotto Mosley, which is a great fight, and uh, James Tony versus John Ruiz, which of course uh, is, is an interesting one to think about this week when we have uh, PEDs in the news. Uh, that was a heavyweight championship fight that I thought was pretty impressive, Tony winning a title. Uh, but of course, it was nullified because, remember, Tony tested positive for PEDs after that fight. Um, and the other big controversial, of course, garden fight was the Bo Galata um, foul fest that uh, ended in a riot, crazy riot. The Galata, yeah. Hey, you were at the um, the, the uh, Roy Jones Jr. Um, Tito Trinidad fight at the Garden? No, Hopkins Trinidad, yeah. Oh, oh, you were at Hopkins Trinidad. Oh, okay, okay. Um, no, because I was, I was at that one. I was going to say, wow, yeah, I was there. Oh, I, Jones, he's yeah. really well. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, just, just to get back to uh, some of the numbers that amaze me, one thing I want to point out, when uh, Tex uh, uh, Rick, Rickard, how do you pronounce it Ricard or Rick, Rickard? I say Rickard. Maybe yeah, it me is too. Ricard, I've, yeah. I've always said Rickard, but you know now I'm thinking, oh, geez, I'm, the way I've been murdering names lately. But you know the in, the most interesting thing. I mean, yeah, he built it at uh, a cost slightly under five million uh, in that uh, in those days in the in the mid twenties. But he got that whole building complete, Alex, in 249 days. Um, which is uh, pretty pretty cool considering the you know uh, the logistics involved with with building that. I mean you know you're you're talking uh, less than obviously well less than a year. So uh, uh, that was uh, that was pretty good. Then they demolished that one in 1968 and uh, had the new one open uh, in 1969. The cost of that was 200 million dollars. And one other thing I wanted to mention that has nothing to do with boxing, but um, a little political thing. Um, during the uh, um, during the uh, 80s, uh, late 70s, early 80s, there was rumor that um, some of the teams, specifically 
uh, the New York Knicks and the uh, Rangers, the basketball and hockey teams, professional uh, basketball and hockey teams, respectively, uh, that played at Madison Square Garden, were considering moving over to the being current at that time being constructed uh, constructed the uh, Meadowlands and the sports facility over there right across the river. And um, what they did is they cut a deal with New York State. And since then, since the 80s, I, I don't know the exact date, I think it was 82, um, that Madison Square Garden, Alex, does not pay taxes to New York State with the stipulation that says as long as the New York Knicks and New York Rangers play their home games there, they are not subject to paying a tax on that building. Once, when and if the Rangers or uh, the Knicks do not play their home games at the Garden anymore, they lose that tax benefit. So that's a... That's a big reason to, uh, to to stick around New York, don't you think? Yeah, wow. And that does show you that um, that sports is such a, um, you know, it's it's rigged in a way. Uh, it, it does empower the state. You know, uh, that's it, we are like Rome, you know, it's bread and circuses, man. It's state-sponsored entertainment. But it is a massive uh, corporation, I guess, that owns it. Madison Square Garden Company actually includes MSG, the theater at MSG, which I guess that replaced the Felt Forum because yes. uh, the Felt okay um, because the Felt Forum, of course, was another uh, was sort of the under uh, the opposite uh, entrance. You sort of was the uh, first floor of the MSG. Uh, and there were fights there for a long time. Now that's become the theater. Uh, Radio City Music Hall is also under their banner of properties. The Beacon Theater, the Forum in Inglewood, California, the Chicago Theater, and the Wang Theater in Boston. So they have quite a few properties in four major cities. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Um, it's a big corporation, and I guess they own the TV network as well. Yeah, well, that was huge. And and just to give everybody, let me just finish my my money thought, right? So you go back to the first um, Madison Square Gardens, uh, and you know we were telling you, you know, uh, the cost uh, of those um, was uh, uh, a couple million dollars when they when they redid it again uh, in the twenties. It was uh, slightly under five million. Uh, when they uh, redid it again, uh, the cost was $200 million. And then uh, the last renovations of Madison Square Garden took place between 2011 and 2013. And those renovations basically brought it up to, to snuff in terms of technology, big screens, uh, luxury box seats, uh, upper-level seats. They added more seats, uh, suites. Uh, which uh, they added 89 suites, uh, which took the place of hundreds of uh, upper-level uh, uh, regular slug seats. And the cost was $1 billion. So you go from a, a, a couple of million to what people thought were outrageous in $200 million to most recently in this millennium, a uh, billion dollars. So it just goes to show you how uh, expensive things uh, have changed, don't you think? 
That's right. Boy, I'm sorry. I don't know what the hell's going on here. I just clo- opened that. Uh, hate those autoplay things. Uh, I did want to say one thing that, um, yeah, the cost is ridiculous. Um, but uh, I did want to say that tomorrow is the anniversary of one of the uh, all-time greatest fights uh, in garden history, too, is um, in 1971, March 8th, um, Ali Frazier won, and uh, I've heard of a that remarkable fight, fight the I fight heard, of the century. I heard of those guys. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know that's you know a, a yardstick for heavyweight history. Um, we got a good uh, uh, heavyweight fight this past Saturday night, but it sure was no Ali Frazier won. Um, you know, and, and I think one of the other things, Bobby Goodman is one of the guys uh, connected with the Garden. Um, you know, he was one of the uh, matchmaker slash promoter, I guess, uh, you know, that worked with the Garden, put together so many fights there, uh, reinvigorated careers like Edwin Rosario and, um, you know, m- made the career of Alex the Destroyer Stewart. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it uh, it has a rich boxing history. And when you think about it, um, there's a guy like Tommy Hearns never fought there. Uh, De La Hoya, I think, only fought there twice. Um, so, you know, it is, uh, there is this regional connection as well as just, um, you know, cause New York, I guess, isn't like the center of the boxing universe anymore. Uh, so it's something that not all fighters have in common, but the fighters who do are certainly proud of it. Well, they, they're trying to get back to that. That's for sure. But uh, we could go on and on and on about Madison Square Garden. Unfortunately, we got... I'm, well, I'm three minutes over my break, so I apologize for that. We are going to take a break right now. But, Alex, real quickly, uh, Deontay Wilder, uh, his and, and great uh, blast on that. But, by the way, they erected a Joe Lewis statue. Uh, and also there's uh, – isn't uh, Sam Lang- – uh, I mean, um, Joe Gans is in there too, right? Joe Gans. Yeah. Yep, there's a Joe Gans statue that's very famous that fighters uh, rub his fist for luck. Yep, uh, and and the other thing I wanted to mention is you, you mentioned it felt for him. Um, you know, a, a guy who was who fought there many many times is is a guy that I feel really is underrated because he he hung on so long. But uh, Hector Macho Camacho fought at the Felt Forum uh, many times, and that was those performances were when he was at his best. And and anyone that you know gauges Camacho for his you know second and third career needs to go back and watch the fights prior to Edwin Rosario. That's all I'm going to say. Right. But yeah. uh, but anyway, real quickly, Alex uh, Deontay Wilder um, really uh, proved to me uh, that uh, he's got heart, determination, and a decent chin. Uh, what was your uh, thoughts on that fight? Uh, yeah, I think uh, he did. It was um, amazing to see those just two gigantic uh, human beings, um, you know, really trying to take each other's heads off. Uh, Deontay Wilder's lucky he hits as hard as he does because um, he's very raw. It's surprisingly raw at this stage of his game. Um, it was it was a fun fight. I think if Ortiz was younger, um, things might have been different. Uh, I thought he was winning um, on the cards easily. Uh, but I do think that, or at least he should have been. I, I don't. I never heard what the official cards was. I, I yeah, had he was losing on the official cards. Brother. On the official cards, they had Deontay winning. Oh my god! That's, <laughs> I, know. See, I I wondered if that's great. Yeah. If that was the case, because I, I thought Farhood's card made sense, except um, for the ten that one ten eight round. I I don't. I, that's where I agree with Larry. You know, I, it was a, it was 
Ortiz was winning that round when they got the knockdown. I mean, he wasn't battering him. So yeah, I guess that's a that's an argumentative round. But uh, but anyway, yeah, hey, it's, I, it's I, a judgment call. But uh, yeah, I, I did I did enjoy the fight. I don't think I still think Joshua beats him. Um, like we were saying in last week's blast, um, there's just a lot more science uh, in Joshua than there is in Wilder. And uh, as much as, you know, we were talking about modern athletes being so much better, uh, John L. Sullivan did take great big swings like uh, Deontay Wilder, I am sure. Well, the, the only thing I'll say is that Deontay Wilder um, has some pop and sure Joshua's got to tighten up his defense. That's it. But uh, Alex, great job as usual. And uh, we'll look forward to you next time, brother. Billy C, take care. That's Alex Papali doing a great job. Tough one. Tough one this week with, uh, with doing that on a venue uh, of, all, uh, of all things. So uh, uh, great job there. And, and you know, there's a, still a lot of discussion uh, on the Deontay Wilder fight. But the bottom line is that this is a guy that has gained uh, uh, some uh, recognition uh, big time. I, you know, I still believe that. Um, I, you know, you can look at it bittersweet. And for all the affiliates, radio and TV, we are not taking a break here. I apologize, especially to all the radio affiliates that are looking for this break. Um, we went over our time, so uh, um, I, uh, I, I'm not taking a break. So I apologize for that. But you know, um, the thing is, is that sometimes you can have a bittersweet situation, and I believe that that's kind of what happened uh, on Saturday night with Deontay Wilder. Because his right hand saved him again, and you know, against a good opponent, and I don't see him uh, doing anything more than headhunting uh, from here on out. Uh, but uh, joining us again is uh, uh, my man uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, and Sal, we got uh, some more emails to try and read here, so uh, I will uh, get to those right now. So uh, this first one is from uh, uh, Matt from Buffalo. I haven't heard from him in a little bit. He says, uh, hey, guys, uh, undoubtedly you have uh, touched upon the subject of my email uh, to open your show, but I wanted to weigh in. Uh, late at work yesterday, I read the news uh, that uh, Canelo had tested positive for a banned substance, and he used the Eric Morales defense, um, which was the, uh, we all know, which was the tainted beef. Uh, he says uh, he should have used, he should have uh, the ghost of Johnny Cochran representing him at the Vada hearings uh, saying, uh, if it's Mexican meat you eat, it's not a cheat. If it's Mexican meat you eat, it's not a cheat. Uh, typically, I wouldn't care uh, that that fight would uh, likely be canceled, but I have spent a considerable amount of money on a ticket uh, to the fight and a trip to Las Vegas. In my many travels to Mexico, I have found pharmacies that sell steroids and HGH uh, legally to anyone over the counter. I then thought of all the fights where Canelo had cut weight and ballooned fight day, and I believe uh, he did it. Uh, I have never seen an athlete in any sport uh, as a prima donna level of him. Uh, he has done one thing effectively, however, uh, ride the cult of Mexican star pony to the cash barn. Uh, if this test is true, it means Canelo has employed the following against Triple G. Ducking him for two years, De La Hoya evil negotiating, crooked or inept Bob Bennett judges, running, ducking eight months for a rematch, and steroids. If this was Triple G, 
I would have gotten a refund for the ticket company already. I will hold out hope that I can see Triple G crushing Canelo uh, in the rematch. Uh, instead, I await the decision from the powers that be. In any case, I believe Canelo's in a tough spot. He was booed by his own fans at the T-Mobile Arena, and he let Abel Sanchez get in his head and make him sound foolish. Then he tests positive for a performance-enhancing drug. I don't ever think I would see a fan favorite like Canelo become the bad guy. I think the more interesting thing now is Canelo can't win this fight. In the eyes of us true fans, he will be remembered for the robbery for the first fight and a PED user for the second. Sorry to vent, Billy and Sal, but I believe I speak for many of the fans paying uh, for the pay-per-view or tickets. I guess P.T. Barnum was right. A sucker's born every minute, and for me, this fight was it. Um, wow. Great yeah. email. Uh, it is a great email, and I, I wonder. I can't disagree. I, I wonder how many other people are thinking the same thing. And, you know, it's funny, Sal, because as soon as it hit the news waves, when I got it on my ticker, I said to myself, oh, no. Now everybody's going to uh, assume that Canelo has. And, and, and I got to admit, I was thinking the same thing, Sal, that everyone's going to make the assumption that he's been cheating all along. What's your thoughts? Well, exactly just that. I mean, he just he just uh, opened up a whole new uh, perspective on or can of worms, if you will, uh, to to see. I mean, has he been getting away with this for years? Has it been something that uh, that has been just newly or recently discovered? And, uh, you know, going into the fight, as as he suggested, you know, people, even if Canelo wins, he's going to be looked at differently. But the bottom line is this fight has to take place. And I do believe that Triple G will beat Canelo Alvarez legitimately. And uh, I don't think he needs any substance or anything else. And I just think that it's going to have to take place. And um, that night, may the best man truly win. Um, I, uh, I, find it, uh, I find it amusing that uh, people are recognizing that gutless bum who's the commissioner of uh, Nevada, Bob Bennett, uh, how he lets it, it's sometimes it seems too obvious that the favoritism for the cash cow a lot of things get overlooked when you have a guy that's bringing in the revenue streams that certain individuals who fight in Las Vegas all the time and others that uh, will only fight in Las Vegas uh, how they uh, let them uh, get away with stuff where they wouldn't let other fighters that's sad um, you know the playing field should be uh, should be equal um, yes. Let's see. We got a couple of other emails. I'm definitely not going to be able to get to all of them, but I'll read the next one. This is from uh, my man Luke Thunder Breslin. Uh, he says, "Hey Billy C and Sal, hope you guys are well. Uh, I've na I've now made my decision. I think there are two separate heavyweight champions holding the WBC belt. I believe there is Deontay Wilder, the man, and then the Brock's Bomber. The I'm sorry, the bronze, the bronze Bomber, the character." He says, over the weekend, I was reading some fan reports and watching some fan videos online. And when Deontay is not in front of a professional film crew, he seems to be a well-spoken, humble man. However, when the lights are on him, his Alabama accent is turned up to 39 and out comes the bronze bomber. This is where I have a problem you have uh, said about Floyd. I'm struggling to separate the two. 
Maybe I'm just being pessimistic, self-flagellating boxing fan, but I really didn't find the fight on Saturday that engaging and as exciting as some people are making it out to be. I will say I was impressed that uh, in that seventh round, Deontay didn't go into his strained survival mode where his hands uh, lowered his legs and go stiff and he just covers up and hopes that uh, the seventh uh, and hopes... Uh, I don't understand that, but he says in that seventh, he actually did clinch and hold and get his faculties back, which I was quite impressed about. But for me, it was almost like watching Vladimir Klitschko, uh, Samuel Peter fight again. For me, Father Time has caught up with Ortiz. It was more of a case of when not uh, if, but I was impressed with the way he did rally in some of those earlier rounds. But my real problem in respect for the fight went out the window as soon as the bronze bomber opened his mouth. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I just can't have uh, the stomach for it anymore. In the ring, he was quite humble and gave props to his opponent. But in the post interviews I've been listening to, he was back to his usual garbage spouting self. One thing I would like to pick up on, which I thought was quite funny, was he was interviewed for the BBC and when asked about uh, why the AJ fight is stalling, he he quoted as saying, because there's too many people around Anthony milking him for what he's worth. Eddie Hearn is making him, uh, milking him for all he's worth. I find that rather hilarious considering seven, uh, 700 and, uh, I'm sorry, 75,000 people are involved in Deontay's career. I suppose there was an element of the rebellious teenager in me who doesn't like to be told what to do and who to like, etc. But when everyone keeps telling me you got to give props to Deontay, I was kind of shrugging my shoulders and said, why? He told us he would do this. He's been telling us for months that he was the best ever. He's the best boxing uh, heavyweight ever uh, in his mind, he's saying. So ultimately, this was what was going to happen. So I don't see why I should give him props, considering he's been giving himself props this entire time. I've allowed him to do what I always said he'd do to everyone else. He's isolated me as a boxing fan, and I just want to say uh, to him to go away. There's nothing I saw on Saturday as an, as an Anthony Joshua fan that worried me, apart from the post-fight uh, fight interviews. I do think you're right, Bill. I think we'll be lucky to see this fight this year, let alone next year. It's sad, but I really got the feeling this is going to go the same way Riddick Bowe and Lennox Lewis did. I'm praying I'm wrong. Um, he says, I naturally assume this will be coming up on the show, but I'm absolutely blown away about the PED uh, from Canelo. I can't, hear, wait, I can't wait to hear about that. Yes, we did talk about that on the show. I don't know, Sal. Oh, thanks for the email, Luke. I, I don't know. Good, I mean, Luke. I'm not a big, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I thought Deontay show. Uh, listen. Deontay Wilder, in my opinion, I said it Monday, I'll say it again, he he impressed me, he proved to me that he's got heart, he proved to me that he's got a chin, and uh, he found a way to win the fight. And, and this is all, in my opinion, uh, from a guy who doesn't display any other boxing skill except punching power. And I even compared that to Rocky Marciano. I give Rocky Marciano credit for being a Hall of Famer, because he's in the Hall of Fame because he possessed one thing, punching power and a granite chin. And and he also was uh, well-conditioned. Now, Deontay Wilder's always well-conditioned. I don't think he's got the chin of Rocky Marciano. Uh, and he, he probably doesn't even have the power of Rocky Marciano. But like Rocky Marciano, he's able to get by with the limited tools that he has. And I give him credit for that, Sal. Well, absolutely. You said the thing that, that rises to the top all the time. 
he knows how to win or he knew how to win and that's what champions do they find a way they they have the the ability to dig deep and and just go on instinct and know how to win uh like i said it's 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 something that you don't have to even overly kill with with explanations it just happens to be what is the end result rocky marciano was famous for that He'd break you down. He'd be behind on points. And you know what? I agreed with you, with Larry Hazard. I had Luis Ortiz ahead in that fight. I had him ahead even going into that 10th round. He's ahead by one point. I had 85-84. And, uh, you know, it was a great, great uh, display. And, And like I said, winners or champions know how to continue to win. Yeah, it's a mindset. There's no it's question. It's a mindset. Yeah. It is. And like I said earlier, he truly believes in his heart of hearts that he is the baddest, that he is the best. And guess what? That confidence and exudes and it comes from within. And it's not false bravado. It's not something that he has to tell himself. He truly believes that. Because when he was eating that leather and he was hurt and rattled, he, like I said, he didn't go into panic mode. He, he, he didn't go into anything other than saying, all right, I got to get back on my horse and I got I to gotta ride the victory. And, you know, that was what the fighter we, we saw. Maybe none of us or some of us didn't expect it. But that's the fighter that came out and prevailed. And that's why he is a winner. That's why he is a champion. Yeah, I uh, he's he's a champion, and uh, we'll we'll see him move on. That's for sure. Yeah, but, uh, that's for sure. Uh, in any event, um, listen, uh, we will be doing a show tomorrow. I didn't get to all the emails today, and I apologize if you did send uh, us an email. Um, we will uh, get to it. We still have uh, a couple left. I got one from uh, Greg. I got one from uh, Jeffrey, and I got one from my man Mike from Michigan. Uh, so uh, make sure that uh, uh, you guys tune in because we will get to them tomorrow. So uh, anyway, and speaking of tomorrow, make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Da na 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 na